For the time that's ours this morning, I'd like to share with you from this thought, too hungry to eat. Too hungry to eat. Social intercession, a concept that was embodied by Sister Vita Scudder. She mixed high quality scholarship, a heart for service, a passion for God's people. And she mixed that, or she had infused in those efforts a heart that was grounded in prayer. For she understood that this world had deep needs, needs that we just cannot pray away. We need to be the prayer that this world needs. So social intercession, this embodied sense of being present in the world, not taking for granted the responsibilities that we have to bring about the purposes of God, that infused the way that she lived because she understood the hunger of her age, an age that was defined by social, the shrinking of social systems so that the poor were not attended to, the limitations of education. She realized that the immediate hunger of the world that she met with her life, the need for social services and the need for spiritual direction, those hungers were part of a deeper hunger of the soul that her, soci that her society lived in. The poverty of soul that she combated that was present in her national condition manifested in the bodies of the people that she served. She needed a way to engage the powers of this world and its dehumanizing effects on humanity. And she lent her life and her service to addressing that hunger. Well, I wish I could say that times have changed, but I would be homiletically dishonest. For we know that the hunger of our age is great, driven by scarcity and lack, driven by debt and being owned and owning others and other things. These ways of being in relation in the world amplify the ways that we are hungry but not necessarily ready to eat. We devour flesh of our neighbor through the consumption of the products that we hold dear. The ways of life that we engage in that provide us such comfort. If we take a moment to step back, we realize that our consumption is another person's destruction. For that is the circle of life. The circle of life in an ordered world in which oppression is the way to profit and the quantification of success is often seen in how many people are subjugated and oppressed. It seems as if the hunger of this age, the desire to consume, the desire to be known to a superficial world, that desire, that hunger, continues to drive our actions to the very present with the overarching reality of determining the hopefulness of our future. In the text we have this gospel morning, we have that Jesus is doing this interesting conversation about bread. And it's interesting to me that this conversation about bread is multifaceted. Because on one hand, he just fed their physical needs. 
He is trying to get them to understand that, yes, your physical needs are important. The context for your embodied reality is pressing upon God's divine consciousness. No, God is not unaware of your needs and the present concerns that face you. God understands your need for bread and will find ways to bring bread out of situations where there was no bread. Our God cares about our individual needs and even if he has to utilize the poor boy's lunch. The places where we did not expect God's favor to manifest are the places that provide us bread. Let us be thankful for that bread. But yet that bread cannot be the end all of our hunger. It would be sad to say that you were satiated by the, the mendacity of this world, that you were okay with the mediocre, and that you were all right with the never changing. Have you given up hope that this world can change? So you've adapted your appetite to try to satiate your hunger with things that were superficial, topical, nutrient deficient of the things that define and shape one's soul. The hunger is real. And if we think about this gospel text, Jesus is offering this eternal bread, a bread that is contrasted with the manna of Hebrew Bible scripture. For this manna was a sweet food, a reliable food, but also the food of rebellion, the food of scarcity, and the food of the wilderness. It was God providing for an insolent and disobedient people in place of transition. They were not grateful for what God has done for them, yet they were not mindful of what God was doing for them. So that liminal space they occupied called wilderness was one filled with complaining. In the poverty of imagination, so deep, so vast, and so consuming that it actually consumed a generation of people. The hunger that they felt of going back to Egypt and serving those gods, God allayed those hunger pangs with the sweetness that was manna. But manna was not to be forever. Manna was a food to cultivate the people and bring them into a promised land, not just a promised land of space and territory, but a promised land in terms of identity. Will you finally be my people? May I finally be your God. But you are so enamored in the manner that you're too hungry to eat the things of God. Can that be one of the seducing temptations of our age? To allow God's blessing to dull us to the deep hunger that is the growth of the spirit and the manifestation of the kingdom of God. It is easy to be rocked to sleep with the lullabies of this world, letting the days go by, feeling passive and helpless as this ship called reality sails over into the, the edge of the abyss. Many of us have taken this world to be the love boat and not a battleship. Bread 
the bread of heaven, contrasts with this manna because it is not just for the body. This bread of heaven helps us to reorder the way that we see the world, change the relationship dynamics in which we have arranged ourselves because this bread of heaven, Jesus that we call the Christ, brings us and invites us into a disorienting array of possibilities about what it means to live the abundant life. A life that is not ordered by scarcity and hyper-competition, a life that is considerate of the each and the individual as much as the collective and the whole. This life illustrated in Isaiah is one in which abnormal relationships are able to be forged because the desire or the hunger that would drive their interactions was altered. So strange and so bewildering is this picture that even a child shall lead this organized chaos called a new possibility. Maybe God is offering us a new possibility that is ever before us, ready to be made present if we are able and willing to become embodied prayers in this world. Realizing that if we meet the physical hunger of the world, if we meet the ways in which people are engaged in the world that is difficult and oppressive and painful, the interactions and the exchanges that is our flesh. If we deal with the bread of the flesh, that bread will then satiate and lead people into a space in which the possibilities of spiritual bread, receiving this bread from heaven, may be possible. For this bread is not the bread of the wilderness. Jesus, the bread, is the bread of life, offering not just the reality in terms of changing the way we live amongst one another, but changing the way we conceive God already. God being present in this world of hunger. That's the good news. In this world of nutrient-lacking preaching, nutrient-lacking worship, we live in a world in which we are so enamored with the potato chip. We can eat four bags and still be hungry. We're so enamored with consuming to our taste that we're losing the nutrient, the sustenance that is the Christian life. The good news is that this bread is calling us, standing before us, knocking on the door, waiting for us to open. This bread is not moving itself and hiding from us, but making itself available, allowing us to draw near even in our faintest struggle. This bread was before the people in the text in John. They saw the bread, they heard the bread, they saw the bread do material things. Yet we will find in a few verses from now that it was too hard for them to bear. They couldn't bear the fullness of the bread. It was too hearty. It was too filling. It reordered their taste. It reordered their habits. It reordered the way they had to make sense of the world. This bread from heaven was saying that I am here if you are willing to embrace me. I am here if you're willing to follow me. I am here even if you don't want me here. 
Your world has changed whether you liked it or not. The bread is now here and the hungry now have an alternative to their sorrow. Many of us have gathered and some of us have lamented about the ways in which the refectory is not open. As some of you may know, the summer times around here can be a little lean. The refectory's closed and we have to bring our lunch and the ways in which we bond together are altered. Now, the place where we congregate, one of the central tenets of our identity is being reconstructed. That's interesting to consider. The space where we gather and find identities being reimagined and rethought. But the question that presses upon my soul this morning, do we miss the space because we're hungry? Or do we miss the community because we're hungry? Do we miss the ways of being with one another that shapes the outcome of our theological education and influences the way that we are Christians in this world? Are we just looking for our meal to come back? I would hope for the sake of this gospel today, I would hope for Isaiah's sake, I would hope for the sake of the psalmist, that it's not because we miss being served, but we miss finding a place to gain service. My sister and my brother, the world calls us to satiate this hunger. This world calls us to be embodiments of this bread. And when this task becomes too difficult, we are invited to this table. We're invited to a place in which the hunger that is our soul's condition can find sustenance in eternal bread and poured wine. For in this ritual, in this experience that we share, is a way for us to counter the desires of this world to produce scarcity and hunger amongst us. We are able to say that whosoever, from wherever, however you got here, you are welcome at the table. And at that place, the lion may lay with the lamb, and we may hunger no more. Amen.